Well, Merry Christmas again. Thank you for joining us in a time of song. You know, many of those carols that we sang and other Christmas carols like them are known around the world, around the Western world and beyond. At Christmas, it seems that much of the world takes time to glorify, to praise the Lord, even in songs that they may not know that's what they're doing, but that's what the songs declare their message. Anywhere that Christmas is celebrated, people recognize that there's something different that is happening. And so no matter who you are or what you've been through this year, this evening and the time we've had and the time that remains is a time for you to praise God as well. And I don't know everything going on in your life. Things may be very hard and difficult for you right now. You could be in a great season of struggle. And if that's you, I'm so sorry that that's what you've experienced this year. But this one night, in this time, in this place, this is a night for us to celebrate hope. It's a night for us to magnify the Lord together. And so in these few minutes that we're going to hear from God's Word, I pray that your thoughts would turn away from whatever burden, whatever heaviness, whatever else is distracting you tonight, things coming up after this, things later, pray that your thoughts would turn to wonder at the magnificent message, the magnificent hope of Christmas. Our guide tonight to think about this is going to be Jesus' human mother, Mary. You know, you probably you may have heard a phrase, it's not as common nowadays, but you've probably used it or heard someone say it, if you're about to misbehave or someone's going to misbehave, someone may challenge that person and say, what would your mother think? They saw you do it. What would your mother think about that? Well, we just sang songs at Christmas talking about Jesus, and I think it's fair to ask, what would his mother think about that? But guess what? We don't have to wonder about that because she actually did say something about it, and that's what we're going to read today. We're reading a section of scripture. It's a, a poem, a song, a psalm by Mary. It's known in Latin as the Magnificat, which is just Latin for magnify, which is the main word in the first line of the song. So before I read it, let me pray and we'll talk about it for a little bit. God, I pray that tonight, amongst everything else going on, our thoughts could turn just for a minute to see your magnificence and your glory. I pray, God, that you would be our focus in this time, that we would be able to praise you, recognize your power, recognize the hope and salvation that you provide through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Earlier in the service, one of the passages of Scripture that they read was from the prophet Isaiah. This was in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And a prophet was revealed to God and told that there would be a Messiah, a Savior, known as Emmanuel, God with us. That God in human flesh would be born to a virgin. Our passage today is from Luke chapter 1, but just before it, an angel, a messenger of God, appears to a young teenage girl named Mary and has this message for her. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. The angel goes on to say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, 
the Son of God. Mary then has a response to this. Her response to what the angel says is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed, but Mary had a problem now. She was an unwed woman who was pregnant a time 2,000 years ago where that would have been even more of a, of a big deal. It would have been shameful for her family to be in that situation. I'm not saying that that's the way it should be. I'm just saying that's the way it would have been then. It would have been very difficult for her and her family. So Mary, then her, maybe your family was involved, made the decision for her to go and stay with a relative of hers. A woman named Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with someone famous, John the Baptist. And when she gets to her relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth notices that something different is happening in Mary and her baby. Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She says, And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth and everyone else could see something amazing was happening in Mary who was carrying Jesus Christ. But the question remains, what did Mary think? As the song says, Mary, did you know? What did Mary know? Well, here she tells us now. We don't have to wonder about her response. Mary has magnificent praise for the Lord for what He has done for her. As she says, her soul magnifies, glorifies, exalts, and praises God. This is Luke chapter 1, 46-49. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She says she magnifies the Lord. She's doing something that she's been doing throughout her life, praising God. And she has this wonderful, beautiful song. It's warm. It's encouraging. It invites us to join her in praising God the same way. What's interesting as we read this, though, is that this young girl also has a very good understanding of who God is. A lot of this song that she sings is borrowing words, phrases, and ideas from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. For example, listen to this one part from Psalm 34, which conveys the same truth that Mary said. That psalm says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. When people dwell on God or what He has done, they respond with song. And it always strikes me so interesting that Christmas, more than almost any other holiday, has so many songs tied into it. Whether they're about Jesus or about something else, this season just promotes songs. There's radio stations that play Christmas music all the time. There's whole Spotify channels you can listen all year to Christmas music. Something about this holiday is tied in with singing. And I think that's because deep down we know that there's some great message in this day, in this event. And songs of praise are the response that we have. It's an overflow of our hearts, souls, and minds when we have no other way to express our emotions than opening our mouths and singing. 
And that's what Mary does here in some truly incredible words. Every time I think of this passage, I remember something that happened years ago. I was at a place where it it was an attraction. They were illustrating events and things from the Bible. And one place was about the history of the Bible, how the Bible came together. And at the end of that presentation, they had actors reading lines from quotes from Scripture. And here we have great heroes of the faith who even if you don't spend a lot of time in church, you probably heard their names. They had people like Moses talking or King David. They had people from the New Testament like Peter and Paul and John, these great heroes and champions of the faith. But there was somebody else who was a part of this presentation and and it stuck with me the most. Mary was included with this poem, psalm, song that we have here. And among everything else that was there, I was struck by the heartfelt beauty of these words. This is a young teenage girl worshiping God from her heart. And her words of praise stand alongside the other champions and heroes of the faith. This response of praise is a response we're called to have at Christmas. That's why we began our time together in singing with this magnificent praise. And what does Mary say in her praise? Well, her spirit, her whole being is caught up in worship and praise because she trusted in God, her Savior. Unlike what some say, like every other person in the world, Mary here says she needs a Savior. She understands herself to be a sinner separated from God, needing someone to bring her back to Him. Her words are similar to another Old Testament prophet. He has kind of funny funny names. His name's Habakkuk. But his words are very similar to Mary's. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So Mary praised her Savior. And her reason for doing that is because the Lord had been mindful of her. The Lord saw her and worked through her. As she says in verse 48, He looked on the humble estate of His servant, and behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Even though she was a humble, lowly person in the sight of God, God still used her for His glorious purposes. And this is what God does. He picks the things, the people that are low, that are despised, that the rest of the world would brush over and pass by. And God says, no, I see you. I love you. And I want to use you. That's why Mary is now blessed in the sense that she's honored, remembered for her great faith and trust in the Lord. But what's notable is she spends this time not drawing praise to herself, but turning it back on God. She doesn't want people to praise her, but people to praise God, the one who has done this mighty thing through her because he saw her and blessed her. And the Lord does the same for us. He looks at us. He sees where we are in life. And when we call out to him, he comes to us. He seeks those who are humble and who want to rely on him. Our call is not to pretend that we have it all together. It's not to pretend that we're perfect before everyone, lie to everyone else. No, to be honest with God. Say, God, I am not perfect and I need you. The last verse up there shows us what this looks like. Mary turns attention away from her and says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary knew that she would be famous, but she turns attention right back to God and does not keep any glory or praise for herself. Because only God is holy. Only he is to be worshipped. Mary knew this, and she inspires us to follow her example. 
When God shows us His grace, His holiness, His greatness, He does great things for us because He is holy. He's set apart, distinct. He is perfect. And that holiness should promote praise in our hearts. But there are more reasons than just praise in Mary's song. There's more to it than that. She has praise, but she also recognizes God's magnificent power. She points out God's magnificent power because not only is God holy, but He's also a God of mercy. Verse 50 and 51 say, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God is a God of mercy. He does not give us what we deserve. He extends His mercy to those who fear Him. That doesn't mean shaking in fear like we're scared of something popping out or like we're watching a horror movie or something like that. No, no this fear is the humble obedience that a parent has to a child that he wants to please. This humble obedience to God is how we know God. It's an invitation to be God's child. God's family is not limited to one particular people or place, but His family is those who have a relationship with Him. And that can be you too. You can be a part of God's family. His people forever, as the passage says, from generation to generation. This language also pops up in the Old Testament. It says the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. That's in Psalm 103. God extends His mercy to generations of those who know Him. And He has mercy to show you as well. Your wrongdoing, the way you reject and turn away from God, that does not have to lead you to eternal suffering. It should lead you to depend on the One who can save. Who will always love and show grace. That's not like us. We change all the time. Our emotions, our thoughts were one way, then another. We go back and forth. We flip-flop. But He never changes. His love and mercy is available to those who know Him. But that doesn't make Him a pushover. The passage says He has a strong arm. He has great power, strength, and might. Once again, Mary seems to be thinking in the words of the Old Testament. Psalm 98 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For He has done marvelous things. His right hand and holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Mary knows that God is King and knows that one day the baby she's carrying in her belly, Jesus Christ, will also be a great, strong, powerful leader. She is praising God, looking ahead to His great victory. Another way this song is kind of like the Old Testament, there's another woman who sang a very similar song. It was a woman named Hannah. Hannah was struggling to be able to even have a child, but God graciously provided a son for her. And she sings a song that's very similar to Mary's words, but the tone is a little different. She sings about God's victory and His victory over His enemies, while Mary humbly contemplates who God is and His greatness of character. But again, some of the words are the same. In 1 Samuel 2, Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts. In the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. And then a little bit later, Hannah says, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts 
And that's the theme Mary turns to next. In the next couple of verses, she talks about how this great and powerful God has a tendency to turn the order of the world that we see around us upside down. In verses 52 and 53, he says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. This is the God that Mary worships. The true God. He brings salvation to forgotten people. He finds those who are rejected and shows them His love and grace. Another psalm says, The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. And the Bible testifies to this truth again and again. God is a compassionate God. He's also a God of justice. He fills those who hunger and thirst after Him. One last psalm says this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. O fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the God Mary is trusting in, that He would bring His justice in His timing and in His way. Her words remind us of a very wonderful, powerful truth. Governments may rise and fall. Pandemics may come and go. Events in our life will happen. But it is all according to His will and His purposes. And any grievance, pain, oppression, suffering that we are experiencing, He will one day make right for those who know Him. Because He knows what is true and what is right. He will make it so. We should not despair, but hope in Him. And we can have hope because Mary ends her song by talking about God's magnificent salvation. His magnificent help. His magnificent salvation. He helps His people. He is faithful to them. The last two verses say, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Mary sees what's happening in this moment. In this moment, God is fulfilling all the promises that He had made. Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the fulfillment of God's plan to rescue His people from sin. The Bible is a true story of God calling people into a relationship with Him. And one of the first people He called is that man, Abraham. In the very first book of the Bible, we read His words to Abraham. God said, I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Mary knows this truth that God who is perfect, holy, just, He created a perfect world. He created us to have a perfect relationship with Him. But we of our own decided, you know, we don't need that. We turned away from God. We chased after the things that we wanted. The things that we thought would make us happy and fulfilled. And instead, all we found was suffering, death, and separation from God. But that's the good news of Christmas. That God has provided His Son as a way now for us to know God and draw near to Him. God's promises that He gave all throughout the large chunk of the first half of the Bible in the Old Testament, they are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
The New Testament doesn't reject the old. It fulfills it. It's the answer. Jesus is the answer to the question, how will God's people get back to Him? And the answer is through and only through Jesus Christ. This is how God saves His people, how He forms them. And this is a people that you are invited to join. In the New Testament, we read this in the book of Titus, that Christ gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and sin to purify for Himself a people for His own possession. Christ wants a people to know, to be with, to love. And Mary's song is a beautiful reminder of what we are celebrating at Christmas. We are praising God for His great power and also for the magnificent help and salvation that He brings us through Jesus Christ. The birth of Christ reminds us that God has provided a way for us to know Him. I just read from Titus. The very next chapter says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works, things we do in our own righteousness and goodness. Not because of what we do, but according to His own mercy. So let me ask you, do you know this Savior? We celebrate His birth today. It's like a happy birthday party for Him, but He wasn't just a little baby. He grew up and He did something so that we could know God. Christmas is about how Jesus came to save us. And if you don't know Him, or you're unsure about that, I would encourage you to talk to someone. Talk to me or someone else about that tonight. I know there's a lot going on coming up here, but let me tell you, Jesus is more important than cookies and presents. I know those things are there, and they're wonderful. But those things last for one day. We are talking about eternity. So search your heart and know, when I think about Christmas, do I think of Christ or is there something else that draws my mind? Because this holiday, with all its joy, none of it, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm saying this joy should point us to that greater joy that Mary, this young girl, recognized and saw this day is actually about God. This God who is worthy of praise, who has great power. This God who He has given me His Son who will one day save us. And if you know that, then you can truly join us in an expression of magnificent praise to our Lord and Savior, the One who alone is worthy.